Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and with me tonight we've got Joe and then special guesting once again. We have Ron, since uh, Jason is out in Las Vegas right now, or actually he's out in Reno, excuse me, for the uh, for the bowling tournament. Jason, hope everything's going well out there for you. Um, he's coming in late and then he'll be off again next week because he'll be on vacation because that dude likes to stack all of his stuff together. And let's face it, the Phillies have kind of sucked lately anyway. So he's not really missing a whole hell of a lot. And he's happy to dump it on you, Ronnie. How you doing, Ronnie? Uh, I'm tired, but good. Dude, I get that. We're doing airification on the golf course right Ooh. now. I'm tired too. <laughs> Joe, how are you? Miserable, but more on that later. <laughs> steal the great wine from big jim i love yeah, it personally good baseball wise not so much <laughs> understandable understandable so joe what are you drinking tonight uh evan williams and starry pepsi's new sprite um soda um in the white Sox glass tonight so um repping the south side um yeah yeah, I, I was starry-eyed in April. I'm not so much anymore. So, <laughs> like a perfect combination. Very so jaded at this point. So true. Well, with your front office, that's usually pretty close to baseline <laughs> for you guys, anyway. <laughs> oh, right. All right, Ron. What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking just iced tea. All right. Hey, it's summertime. I get it. Uh, and guys, I feel like uh, something we all need to remember sometimes. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> Evil Genius is classic hazy mango IPA. Oh, not that IPA good? I'm not an IPA guy, but this one's really good. I have to try that. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, honestly, uh, if you have a sheets nearby that sells beer, get the uh, Evil Genius pack because it's got that. It's got um, the key lime sour. It's got purple Ooh. monkey. And it's got one of the other IPAs in it. So it's uh, definitely a pack I recommend. It's got a little bit of something for everyone. To pick some up on the way to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you work at Donnelly, I understand. <laughs> or whatever the hell it's called now. All right, so let's uh, let's roll into this. So uh, obviously uh, yesterday was Memorial Day, hence why we were off. Um, you know. So, uh, you know, MLB is screwed up how they're how they handle so many holidays but they've nailed memorial day um they didn't go crazy in uniforms no camo uniforms you know they use that for armed forces day now um they just had the small poppy patch emblazoned with the words lest we forget love that it's it's small it's but it's poignant and it's meaningful and it's not trying to overtake anything it's letting the moment be the moment it's uh I, I hope baseball continues to do just that for Memorial Day. I think it's a perfect tribute. Um, the Tigers, um, they went, they had a special thing they were doing yesterday as well. Uh, they were in partnership with Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, also known as TAPS. They took the additional step of honoring four fallen military service members from Michigan by inscribing their names on players' caps. Um, outfielder Riley Green wore the name of U.S. Army Staff Sergeant Brian Pitney. Um, outfield. Outfielder Akil Badu wore the name of U.S. Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Vincent Bell. First baseman Spencer Torkelson wore the name of U.S. Army Specialist Randy Stevens. And starting pitcher Matthew Boyd wore the name of U.S. Army Private First Class Christopher Soroka. So that was uh, 
really, really neat to see from the Tigers. And then uh, because, of course, they did, Budweiser had a little bit of a blooper in the late game with the Nationals and the Dodgers. Um, they had a big old Budweiser ad that appeared on the ribbon boards over at Dodger Stadium. It attempted to send a Memorial Day message by saluting our heroes, spelled H-E-R-O-S instead of H-E-R-O-E-S. Although let's remember, you know, heroes without the E is correct if you're referring to, uh, you know, plural of a submarine style sandwich. So, you know, maybe they're saluting uh, meatball heroes instead. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, a little bit of a, I know spelling check probably isn't going to catch that, but, you know, that's why we use idiot check too and double check our stuff. <laughs> So that was the, uh, you know, they had the usual stuff, the moment of silence and everything else before games. So, again, I, I love how MLB handles Memorial Day. I kind of wish they would have had every team playing instead of 22 at the 30, but at least it was a large majority of teams were playing. All right. And then uh, last Friday, the Orioles City Connect uniforms were released on the field. We finally got to see them. Uh, mixed of high cuff to low cuff players. Um, they... Uh, the Orioles had tweeted that, you know, it's time to roll up your sleeves and get ready. Not everybody rolled their sleeves up. Kind of wish they had because then you get to see the nice mosaic stripe instead of, you know, just a basically solid black uniform. Um, Baltimore, very easy to see this. The weird distressed thingy that they were trying to do, you couldn't see it at all. Stylized B on the caps. I thought that looked great. Um with the set, I really wish it would have been orange instead of white. Um, with the high cuff players on the on the stance socks, they had that really thick mosaic stripe around the top of the socks. I thought that looked really, really nice. The BAL down by the ankles, I I could have done without that, but the stripe looked pretty awesome. The groundskeepers they uh, mowed the new stylized B logo out in the field and didn't try to cover up a previously existing logo, Cincinnati Reds. Um, it looked, it, honestly, I thought it looked really good. Um, they did a nice job. Um, something that I thought was really neat, lots of players, they wore different com colored compression sleeves, a lot of purple and orange. I think there was some yellow in there as well, so that added a nice splash of color. Unlike, you know, again, not to pick on the reds, but the reds just going black compression sleeves and a black uniform makes yeah, so much Yeah, it doesn't look good. Yeah. And then um, some updates I read online some, from some fans in the stadium. Um, the neighborhood theme color blocks that were used throughout the scoreboard, both the main scoreboard and the out of town board um, on the uh, scoreboard photos, the O's players were in their city connect uniforms. All the Orioles graphics had the B logo. The sound operator played a lot of Baltimore club music, which the crowd really seemed to like uh, the merch stores were apparently packed with people purchasing the city connect gear. So, I mean that right there, uh, you know, Baltimore is going to call City Connect an absolute success because they're making money on it. Um, there were two murals that were created for the City Connect, and they were placed near the bathrooms behind home plate. They were created by Sean Wallace. One was called A Summer Day in the Stoop, and the other one was called Baltimore Blues and Hues. Now, what's really cool about these murals, they didn't paint them. They actually, they created them digitally and then printed them out on vinyl so that they would weather better with, you know, the stadium being open to all elements. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, a friend of mine I used to work with at LGH, uh, her name's Morgan. She is a, uh, she's a nurse. Uh, she's done psych nursing and IV team. Awesome. Awesome nurse. Um, she's actually at the game. She really likes the uniform. She had two thoughts she sent to me. Um, she said she wished the bright colors were, were more prominent. 
And she thought instead of an orange bee, she thought using the mosaic multicolored bee would have looked really cool as well. And actually, you know, now that I think about it, yeah, that would have actually looked pretty cool. And it would have brought that color flare that they were trying to do into more prominence. You know, I, I honestly, guys, it wasn't a bad looking set. From up above, you have the same problem with the reds. You can't tell who's a player, who's an umpire, if they didn't have their sleeves rolled up and if they were going long cuffed. Um, but I could at least read the team name. I could read the player's number. I could see the player's name. Um, so immediately a huge upgrade over the all-black Cincy uniforms. <laughs> um, and, you know, just uh, what, what we talked about last week, Joe uh, – I just wish they would have made the mosaic pattern a damn stripe instead of a roll your sleeves up, unbutton your top button thing. I Just to make it always there consistently. Yeah, they certainly could have done that. Um, overall, like you said, I, I think the set is is pretty good. Um, I, I mean, like you said, people were buying the gear. I mean, may, maybe I need to pick a new team and maybe I need to start buying some Baltimore stuff. But um, <laughs> look, I think they did a nice job with this. I don't really... The distressed font is more for the close-up stuff if somebody's going to wear it. So I'm not worried about how it looks on the field necessarily. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think, like I said, I thought it was a clean set. I saw on the TV um, broadcast, you saw the mosaic behind the B on on the uh, scoreboards on the TV. So, uh, you know, they, they really embraced it. And I thought they did a great job with this. Well, the rollout was, was fantastic. The style was good. The embracing of the city was good. This is exactly what you're looking for with this movement, the City Connect movement. This is one of the teams that did the best job of rolling this out, I think. Yeah, agreed. And I, I love that they tapped into a local artist for all the mosaic work. I cut one thing that uh, it, it might I might have read that <laughs> I might have read this from UniWatch, uh, Paul Lucas, but. Um, one thing it would have been cool maybe if they would have actually had those artists incorporate more design into the uniform but that said i love that they still used local people to help with the design even if it was only a small part of the design i, I love that they did that um and you know again one of baltimore's colors is black so an all black right. uniform is not weird for a team like that just like the white socks and their weird gothic black ones that's not that's not out of place because that's one of their team's primary colors. Cincinnati, right. it makes no damn sense because there's no black <laughs> in that team's color palette at all. Well, well, like I said about Cincinnati when we discussed that, I mean, there were some comparisons to, you know, some of the other teams in the city. Cincinnati, the Bearcats are are black, primarily black, red, and and like a white. So I think maybe they tried to tie into that a little bit, but it didn't come off right, yeah. um, to be sure. The font was a little ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Baltimore showed that you can have an all-black uniform and and do it well, and, and this is this is a killer set. I mean, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, it's so clean. Yeah, it, it's so clean. I, again – one thing I wish that they would do, tell all the players to go high cuffed so you can see the socks, just to get that extra pop at the bottom, you know, the top of the calf. I thought the players that went high cuffed looked just looked fantastic. Yeah, yeah, the high cuff look is a great look, and it's fun to, to look at. Um, I, I'm nostalgic for that. I enjoy that. Um, but, I, I mean, if they do, if they incorporate that, that multicolor somewhere else, then it's not as big of an issue. Yeah, 
Ron, what what did you think of these? I I had I was indifferent about them. Like I get the black. Like everybody's doing black nowadays. Like maybe if they could have went with a different color instead of black for their city connect. But then again, I don't get paid the big money to you know figure that out for them. But they weren't bad. They were a lot better than the Cincy. Hundred percent. Man, there weren't too many sets that were worse than Cincinnati's. Uh, the Dodgers. I, I still yeah. have the Dodgers yeah. as the worst set, but that uh, might be it. Uh, honestly, to me, Cincy is the worst by far. Um, Wrigleyville is in the bottom three or four. I didn't. I hated it. Um, as a Cub fan, I couldn't stand it. But yeah, mm. Cincy is definitely in the bottom bottom three or four. It's yeah, not the bottom of it, and this Baltimore set is is up near the top for me. Yeah, it, it's a really good set, and you know it was definitely one that I'm glad we really waited until we saw it on the field before we passed a final judgment on it because, it, you know, just in the static pictures, it, it it looked like it could be a decent set. It looked like it might not be a decent set, but it, it did work on the field. That's where it's most important. <clears throat> All right, so guys. It's we just hit Memorial Day. It's a good time to take a standings update, shall we? Um, so looking at you know, looking at going down the National League in the East, it's Atlanta leading the way, Miami's four games back, the Mets are five games back, sitting at 500, and then under 500, you've got the Phillies at six and a half back, and the Nationals at nine back. Although I gotta tell you, I expected the Nationals to be a lot worse than that at this point. In the Central, somehow Milwaukee is still holding on. Um, they're the only team over 500. Pittsburgh's one game under 500, two behind the Brewers. The Reds are four behind. The Cubbies are five behind. And the Cardinals, thanks to some phenomenal pitching by Marcus Stroman, the Cardinals are five and a half behind, right back behind the Cubbies where they belong. Out in the West, you've got the Dodgers leading the way. I know, shocker, right? <laughs> Although the Diamondbacks are sniffing their tails. They're only a game and a half behind. San Francisco's four and a half behind. And then the team's under 500. The Padres at eight back and the Rockies at nine back. Although their owner probably still believes that's a 95-point team out there. Uh, <laughs> not to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to beat that dead horse because that's the worst take I have heard in years. <laughs> In the American League in the East, Tampa Bay still leads the way pretty significantly. Uh, Baltimore, though, they are hanging tough. They are four games back. Uh, the Yankees are six back. The Red Sox are nine and a half back. Dead last, Toronto, 10 games back, but two games over 500. They would be tied for the lead in the putrid AL Central right now, and they would be number four, tied for fourth in the AL West right now. I mean, that's just... The AL East is the best division in baseball right now. Looking at the Central, the Twins are leading a terrible division at 28-26. They're the only team over 500. Detroit's two games behind. The Guardians are three and a half. The White Sox, seven. And the Royals are 11 and a half. And then out West, you've got Texas leading the way at 34-19. Um and then Houston's behind them three games back. The Angels are six games back. The Mariners six and a half. And then way, way, way in the basement so far under 500. They will not see the light of 500 for a couple of years. Oakland is at 11 and 45. That is a whopping 0.196 winning percentage. 
I, I know it's awful, dude. It is awful. It's not even June yet. <laughs> I know. I know that we still have one more day until June. <laughs> so, um, Ronnie, uh, any any surprises for you in the standings at this point? Um, I mean, not really. I'm Oakland. That's not a surprise at all, but. A surprise to me, honestly, is how good the Marlins are doing. They're playing a lot better ball than I thought they would. Yeah, they're two games over 500 right now, 28 and 26. So, Joe, how about you? Any surprises? Um, <laughs> um, I'm not surprised by the Orioles. I mean, I last year was – on the record that they weren't going to have the worst record in the league last year. They didn't. Um, I'm very bullish on them. I think they're going to be fantastic again this year. They're going to make the playoffs one way or another. Um, I'm not surprised by that. Um, I mean, the Cardinals continue to be a shock to some people. Um, Not me based on the way that they didn't handle starting pitching in the off season, which I beleaguered to, uh, to Zach's, I'm sure, obvious cheering probably if you listen to it on playback. Uh, the way the Cardinals handled the offseason, obviously, they're where they belong based on on the effort they put in. Um, I'm, I'm not surprised by the Diamondbacks. I think that you know they are in a good spot. Um, the rest of that division is not very good, so I think you know that's a two team race, and I honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if they overtake the Dodgers if some things go wrong for them. Um, and I wouldn't be disappointed by that. I don't think anybody would um, if the Dodgers were to fall off. Um, the, the Cubs are their own animal, and I'll get into more on that later. But, um, you know, the, the Marlins, to uh, to quote uh, Ernest Christian, they're a frisky team. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they are they – are, in a lot of ball games, they have decent starting pitching behind Alcantara, and they've got guys who can just hit the ball. And they're very good at manufacturing runs and hitting long balls. So they've got the whole package offensively. You know, and that might be the best word to describe the Marlins is frisky, honestly. That's a great way to describe them. Um, biggest surprise for me um, – one, I, the fact that the Pirates are still hanging in near the top of the division, I, I, you know, I know they're under 500, but they're only a game under 500. They're just in a little bit of a rough patch right now. Um, but th- that might be a team that might be able to pull enough together that they might make a run. I'm, I don't know that they will, but that said, I don't think Milwaukee is going to sustain because let's face it, it's Milwaukee. Um, another big surprise for me, it's not that Baltimore is doing well. That doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is that Baltimore is within four games of the Rays with as well as they have been playing. I think that's the bigger surprise in the American League East right now. Um, although all the teams being over 500 helps. Um, what's the biggest disappointment for you, Joe? Um, I mean, obviously, I think where the Cubs stand is not the way they've been playing clearly the last couple of months is not, not encouraging personally, obviously. Um, 
for whatever reason, Eloy Jimenez cannot stay healthy and the White Sox continue to just falter um, in, in the prime years of a rebuild that they thought would really yield some fruit and it really hasn't. Um, and it, But that's been a couple of year problem. So it's not necessarily something that's shocking or disappointing, I guess. Um, you know, I, how how awful every other division is besides the ALE, I think, is just the, the parity is just not really there. It's like every team in the AL East is could could be leading a, another division in across the league, and and it's ridiculous how poor some of these other divisions are playing. Um, you know, I, obviously, I'm disappointed in the Cubs. I'm, I'm I mean, the Cardinals are a disappointment based on their expectations, um, for sure. Um, the fact that the Padres aren't really closer to the mix is a little bit disappointing with all for Padre fans, given all the money that they spent. I think that's obviously something there. Um, I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, you're not too thrilled with the way things have gone, but also if you're a Blue Jay fan, I mean, you have to be extremely disappointed. I mean, I think most, if not all of us picked the Blue Jays to win a division in the preseason because they were just that good. They should be. But this is another team that's just a matter of it's it's not how a matter of how good your roster is. It's a matter of how well you play. Yeah, definitely. Ron, how about you? Uh, <clears throat> really, I'm disappointments is the Phillies. They are a better team than what they've been playing like. They went out. They spent money again. They should have, you know, caliber like they should be bringing in a lot of runs, but injuries is what's hurting them right now. Yeah, and you know when your biggest free agent signing basically shot off all of his offense during the World Baseball Classic, that doesn't help much. Which honestly makes the case for why this thing should not happen before the season starts. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there is that. In a lot of ways. They, they really are disappointing. They should have been really in the thick of this uh, already. Not yeah. to say that they're out of it, obviously, because we saw what the Phillies did last year, but it's definitely disappointing. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. All right. And then it, my biggest disappointment by far, the Padres. They, they The Padres signed a crap load of talent. They dumped a lot of money into the team. And uh, they're under 500, underperforming as they often seem to do at some point in the year. So, can still time to turn it around, catch a wild card spot? Sure. Uh, I the way the Diamondbacks are playing, though, that's going to be a very very <laughs> yeah. tough fight for them to get past the Diamondbacks. So we'll have to see about that. All right. So looking at the uh, current playoff team. So in the National League right now, obviously, it's your three division leaders, the Braves, the Brewers, the Dodgers. And then in the wild card, it looks like it's going to be what the Marlins, the Diamondbacks and probably the Giants. Yeah, that'd be the top three for the uh, that'd be the top three wild cards. So looking at looking at those at those six teams. <clears throat> Who's going to be there at the end of the year of those six? What do you think, Ron? Well, I <clears throat> you said the Brewers are in there, right? Yes. I I I don't see them being there. 
But yeah. I do, I do see, I see the Braves and Dodgers. They're it's every year they're always in it, and they have good teams. That's the thing. Ah. I could see I could see the Diamondbacks being in it, maybe not as a front runner, but maybe like a wild card. But those it's honestly the four teams I see making it. Yep. All right, Joe. Um I, obviously I think the way Atlanta's playing, unless something catastrophically goes wrong, they're gonna be in. Um I I, I think Arizona's the other one. I think that's a lock at this point. Um, the way that they've been playing, I, they, 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 they've got all the momentum in the, in that division. Um, I, I don't expect the fish to get there. I expect them to probably cool off, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get there. Um, if, if the rest of the NL central doesn't figure this out, then I could see Milwaukee being in there. Um, if, Things are things flesh out like they are right now. I could also see the Pirates taking that spot, but one of those teams is to, is going to be in. But as we've talked about, the NL Central is going to have a division leader, and that's it. Yeah. So yeah. whoever wins yeah. that that race between those two will get in. Um, yeah. Honestly, that's that's probably the three or four guarantees that I see. I only have I only have three teams of of the six that I think are are locks for the playoffs, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Arizona. I don't think any of the other three teams are a lock at this point to be in. All right. And then looking over at the uh, American league, your division leaders, obviously the Rays, the twins, the Rangers, your wild card teams right now are Baltimore, the Yankees and the Astros. All right. So uh, Joe, which of those six teams are you going to call lock at this point to make? And again, it could be a division team that drops to a wild card, but they'll still make it. Yeah. Um, I, I think the O's are in. Look, I, I think they continue to do what they need to do. I don't think they even have John Means back yet. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if they're performing this well with the guys that we know that they have, and you have the potential for a, a top tier pitcher like John means to come back and be even half as good as he was before the, the injury. That's still an improvement. So I think they're a definite lock to make the playoffs. Um, I, the twins probably, unless the, the rest of that division figures things out, which they haven't shown that they will. Um, so I, I, as of right now, I would say the twins will probably be there. Um, I, I think um, who's who's winning the AL West right now? The Rangers. <sighs> that's that's a tough one because the other the wild card team from that division is who at this point? Houston. Yeah, I, honestly, I could see both of those two getting in. Seattle has has fallen off significantly, um, sort of. Eerily similar to the the Red Sox of 21, where they were they peaked early and then fell off the earth um, the next year. So I, I could see that. Um, yeah, I, I think the O's. I think um, the Rays, if they continue to do what they're doing, and the Twins for sure. Those three would be the locks that I would say at this point. All right, Ronnie. 
Well, <clears throat> I'm pretty much with Joe on that. I I think those are definitely a lock. They have a hell of a baseball team, and they've come a long way from where they used to be. If the Rays can keep playing the way they are and keep up that ball, like I I think they're I think they're going to win the division without a doubt. Uh I think I think Houston honestly is probably going to end up coming back. I hope they don't, but I see it happening. You and every other baseball fan out there. Um, for me, my locks are the Rays, the Orioles. I think the both the Rangers and the Astros are probably going to be locks as well. I'm not going to lock the Twins because that division is so bad. If another team gets hot, I could see them catching the Twins and pushing them out. Um, and I'm, I'm just... I'd love to say the Yankees, but I don't – I'm not trusting what I'm seeing. I don't like the pitching. The offense is there, but the pitching is not spectacular. They've got a lot of guys hurt. So I'm not ready to say call the Yankees a lock at all. Plus, the rest – again, the rest of that division is over 500 as well. So there's going to be a lot of competition there. All right. So that's our uh, that's our looking at the standings for Memorial Day. Um, let's just rip this band-aid off and talk about fantasy baseball because literally last week, almost every other day, Jason and I were swinging back and forth being up by five plus. And by the end of the week, he was the one who came out on top again, damn it, 16 to nine. And then Ronnie picks up his second win of the year. He knocked Joe off 16 to 10. Um, looking at the standings, Jason is, Flying out ahead at 127.77 and 20. Uh, Joe's, a ha- Joe's got the percentage tiebreaker with me right now at 97.108.19. We're both 30 and a half out. I'm at 96.107 and 21. And Ronnie is at 88.116 and 20 at 39 back. Um, yeah, my pitching was great last week. My offense started phenomenally. And then died after three freaking days. I've never seen a team go from that hot to that cold in the course of a week in fantasy baseball in all the years I've played it. That was hey, welcome to my world. (laughs) Yeah, I'd rather not. (laughs) Uh, That was that that was something, and something wasn't exactly that great. I have to say, Joe, I have no idea what happened to your pitching. Like, you had no innings, like, at all compared to what I had going. And I was I was shocked. Yeah. Look, my guys just didn't compete well enough. Um, from a pitching standpoint, it was it was under domination, I think, except for the hold in the save category. Um, I think I took those two. Um, and, and hitting-wise, my guys just – haven't shown up and that's reflective of, of some of the stuff that's happened again, more on that later with, with the Cubs, but with some of the guys I have, but. Well, you, you took most of the pitching from me just because of, I had about 30 more innings than you did. So. Brutal. That's brutal. All right. So enough of fantasy. Um, This week is uh, me and Ron and Joe and Jason. So. 
we'll see how it terrific goes. wonderful <laughs> Joe, you sound enthused. Hey, somebody's got to knock Jason off. There's no way that dude goes the whole year without losing a week. I'll do it next week if everybody's back. I don't want to hear your complaining about injuries, Ron, when I have had my IL spots filled almost every uh, week of the season. And it's the same people, too. It's been since, like, week two. Uh, yeah, DeGrom cycled on and off. May is on the IL. Seeger's off, and thank God, because Trey Turner's sucked at shortstop. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. So, uh, Joe, I, I know you're going to be a little more ranty later with the Cubs, but uh, any regular read the room that you have for this week? Whoever was coaching that high school team that lost the game when they thought they won the game on a strikeout because oh, yeah. they finished a freaking play. Whoever's coaching that team should be fired immediately. How the heck do you blow that? First uh, off, and the catcher should be made to run like a hundred thousand poles to make up for that mistake. That's unreal. <laughs> um, it, like, like you know, it like many things in life, it's not how you start; it's how you finish. And and can't you know can't say enough about that. That was ridiculous. That was absolutely stupid. Um, you know, um, the the other thing too, I think. You mentioned the Tigers with the Memorial Day tributes. The other thing that they did, I think, when they mentioned the, the Marine Corps person, they forgot the S on Corps on the scoreboard. Oh, no. a, a, a friend of mine, his brother, was at the game and was like, and he's a Marine too, and he's like, really? You you went through all this prep work. You're trying to honor honor those who have, who have put their life on the line, and you forget the S on Marine Corps? Like, what's wrong with you? What is it with bad grammatical mistakes? I mean, things have spell check and nowadays anyways. That's well, I mean, it's just something you just have to know if you're running an organization like that. It's it's something you can't mess up. Um, you know, and look, I, it's it's ridiculous. Most of my read the room is is on the Cubs at this point, but <laughs> All right, I'll let you say that's a, that. That's a taste. <laughs> Just that's a, a taste, taste, shall we say? We'll, we'll let you we'll let you hold on to that. I have one other one. Um, I forget where I saw this, but an umpire actually forced a team to forfeit the game because the coach would not tell a parent to stop harassing him. So he he ended the game and walked off the field. And um, frankly, I think the umpire absolutely did the right thing. Um, you know, we've, we talked about this a few weeks ago and you know what, every time I see it, we're going to bring it back up again until people start getting the message. Stop abusing umpires, especially volunteer umps. They're not getting paid for it. And think about the message you're sending to your children. Just knock it the hell off. Yeah. One other one, um, you brought that up and it, it brought me back to something I saw last week and I forgot about at a, in, at a basketball game in Fort Wayne at a club game, th this fight breaks out between a ref and a coach or a parent. And it was just absolutely bonkers. Um, you know, he, he was, the parent was complaining about foul calls. And after speaking to the referee, he was asked to leave the game. Um, as the official attempted to get help in removing the parent, the man got in the ref's face, grabbed the referee. Um, the man was ultimately escorted out of the game and didn't return, but, the video of the fight is ridiculous. And the, the ref, while I don't condone violence, 
the ref tackled his parent, and I 100% would have applauded that maneuver. <laughs> yeah. But come on, parents of these kids, you guys have got to grow up. Like, you're not teaching anything to these kids about life and, and the ups and downs of life and things not always going your way. And the other thing, too, again, as I brought up before, is you're embarrassing yourself and you're embarrassing your kid. If, if, if Chances are if you make it on the 6 o'clock news because you're abusing a ref, it's not a good thing. Like, yeah. just grow up. Come on. This is ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. It's it's out of hand, and it needs to stop. All right, so let's uh, – we're going to roll into Braves and Phillies together. So uh, before – before we uh be- before we hit the weekend series, um, Atlanta did drop two of three against the Dodgers because the Dodgers are just a team in the regular season. Atlanta does not handle well. Um, they lost game one eight to six. Phillips picked up the win. Morton took the loss, and Graterall picked up his uh, third save of the year on Tuesday. The Dodgers just smoked the Braves eight to one. Uh, Miller took the win. Strider took the loss, and then Atlanta did win the. Uh, Last game, so at least they didn't get swept. It was Iglesias picking up the win on a four to three when Atlanta walked it off in the ninth, thanks to Odyssey Albies. And uh, Bickford took the loss in that one. Um, you know, I hate playing the Dodgers during the regular season. Atlanta does not play them well, they never have. But there is one reason I do like it I like seeing Freddie get a chance to come back to Atlanta. Um, he did get a standing ovation on his return. And after the game, he said, quote, None of this is possible without fans in the stands. It's a joy to come back here for the for them to show appreciation for all the years I spent here, it really means a lot. Still one of the classiest acts, acts in baseball by far, Mr. Freddie Freeman. No question about it. Um, and then, uh, here, Ron, I've got your scores here. Give me one sec. I could pull them right back up. Oh, I got them up. Oh, you got it? Go ahead, then. Uh, the <clears throat> Before the Braves series, the Phillies lost two of three to the Diamondbacks. Uh, first game score was three to six Diamondbacks. Second game was three to four. Then game three was Phillies one six to five. I didn't have the box scores on them. I just had the schedule pulled up. No, that's okay. Um, I I think we both just kind of want to forget about the first half of the week and move on from that because that was pretty terrible. Um. And then uh, moving into the uh, weekend series, it was a nice four-gamer in Atlanta. Um, Atlanta did take game one, eight to five. Uh, Anderson took the win. Soto took the loss. Iglesias picked up his fourth save of the year. Um, good good showing by Atlanta bats in that one. Um, oh. I know the uh, group chat was uh, oddly silent as um, uh, <laughs> you and Jason were just like, let this end. Let this end, and then Jason well, realized, and then Jason realized that a lot of those runs were scored by two Austin Riley home runs and a home run as well from Ozuna. Well, the Ozuna one didn't matter, but at that point, Jason was like, "Well, if the Phillies have to lose, at least I'm going to get a little bit of a boost in uh, fantasy." So, you know, I get that. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. Minter, though, of course, had to make things interesting because, of course, he did. Dylan Dodd didn't pitch the best, but he, you know, he got them through, only gave up four runs through five. Yates held things down. And then once again, Minter, I, it's his third blown save of the year. He still has an ERA in the 7.4 range. I, I, 
That's the seventh inning, man. I'm, I'm I'm getting worried about bringing him in that late. I, you know, it's almost like he shouldn't even be a setup man or a bridge man. He should be kind of a mop up guy at this point until he gets things straightened back out. Um, I mean, he's not walking guys. I'll give him that, but it just not a good showing from Mentor. Um, Ron, any other thoughts for uh, you for that game? No. <laughs> All right. And then uh, you guys took the next one, so go ahead, Ronnie. So um, Phillies took game two, six to four final. Uh, I believe the win went to Walker because he Walker went pitched really well. I mean, he gave up a lot of hits, three runs. He walked one guy, only had one strikeout. He went six and two thirds. Then the bullpen came in and just annihilated pretty in my sense. Allowed one hit, one run. So, I mean, for the bullpen to come in and pitch two and a third inning and only give up one run, it was a good day for the Phillies. Um, yeah, it, it was. And uh, the fact that Craig Kimbrell picked up his 400 save against yeah. us, I, you know what? I just had a feeling that something like that would happen. I think it's happened. I think it happened with another pitcher too that came up with Atlanta picked up their 400th save against them or something like that. Yeah, it was uh Kensley or Oh, Kenley like Jansen. That. Yeah, yeah. Jansen. Okay, well, he was a Dodger primarily, so that should have happened against the Dodgers, but we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was it was a pretty cool moment to actually watch something like that happen. And JT even said he likes being a part of those moments, especially being behind the plate and making it happen. Yeah, I, I get that. That's got to be the coolest thing in the world to be the catcher for something like that. Um, for Atlanta, it, you know, Harris had a home run. Ozuna had his second home run in two games. So, I mean, Ozuna started to heat up, which God knows he couldn't have really gotten any colder as he was hitting 120-something for the longest time yeah. before that, this latest power burst. So, um, heavy use by the bullpen that this whole series is going to be will be an ongoing issue as we'll keep describing moving forward. Uh, and then there was Saturday. Oh, Saturday! That that yeah. was an amazing game, in my opinion. I don't know about you, Andrew, but um, that was bullshit. <laughs> so Saturday, the Phillies won two to one. Atlanta only got their one run in the ninth. Um, Zach Wheeler was just on fire. Probably the best pitching he's done since he joined the Phillies, in my opinion. He took the win. He went eight innings, three hits, gave up no runs, only gave up one walk, struck out 12. And then uh, Kimbrell came in to save the game, pitched one inning, gave up the the one run to them, but he struck out two. But overall, the Phillies couldn't really get their bats going in that game. But with Zach Wheeler's pitching, those two runs just was enough. Well, the Phillies got their bats going. They just couldn't do any kind of situational hitting. They, they out-hit Atlanta 9-4. to four. Um, The big thing that I noticed was, one, when Sean Murphy hits a ball hard, he hits the ball really hard. Yeah, he does. He obliterated that pitch from Craig Kimbrell. Yeah. I mean, again, it didn't turn into a win, but it was a damn nice home run. 
Um, Morton pitched really well in that one, actually. Five and a third. He did give up seven hits, but he only gave up the two runs. He did walk four, but he struck out nine. Um, and Minter, shockingly, got out of the inning and didn't let the other two runners come in. <laughs> I, I honestly was blown away by that because I sure as hell didn't expect it. Um, so, yeah, that, that one hurt. I thought Atlanta was going to be able to mount something against this ter- lately terrible Phillies bullpen, but they were not well, able to. Once they gave up that one run, I was like, okay, this is where Atlanta comes back and wins the game. I'm as well just turn it off. And I was like, Oh, let me stick around. I watched it this far. If I'm going to be disappointed, I might as well cry at the end. <laughs> Earn the disappointment. Is that right? Right. And then Sunday happened. Oh, Sunday was a God. great day in baseball. Uh, Atlanta put seven up in the first on route to an 11 to four smashing of the Phillies. Known Phillies killer. Spencer Strider was on the mound and pitched very well. Six innings, two runs, two hits, a walk, nine strikeouts. Um, he did give up a home run, but eh, whatever. <laughs> I don't think he was too concerned about that, to be honest with you. Um, Spencer Strider became the not only the first pitcher in baseball to eclipse 100 strikeouts, he did it in the fastest number of innings in baseball history, 63 innings. Not bad. Not bad at all. So, um, you know, one thing I know that really pissed Jason off was when after during the seventh run first inning, when Acuna came back around to bat again and was on base yet again, because Acuna went four for five, three RBIs, three runs and a strikeout, putting a triple in there. Didn't he have a home run, too? No, I'm thinking of a different game. Um, You know, he, he actually did get finally got caught stealing because he was stealing bases at will for most of the series. And uh, Jason was pretty livid about that. And uh, I I do understand why he was. He's not necessarily wrong. But the way Atlanta's bullpen's been lately, I also understand why uh, Snit kind of told Acuna, you know, well, I I don't know if Snit told Acuna he had a green light the whole time or if he talked to him afterwards and said, hey, this is not the time to be stealing, which knowing Snicker, it's probably what happened. Um, although he didn't bench him this time, like he did the one time when he dogged out a single <laughs> off the wall that he thought was gone. Um, but you know, it, it reminded me of a Whitey Herzog story where uh Vince Coleman stole second and third consecutively, uh, in a game where the Cardinals were up like seven nothing, eight nothing. And when the opposing manager and Herzog got into a shouting match, Whitey basically said, My bullpen is garbage. I don't trust them to hold this lead. We need all the runs we can get. And the Cardinals ended up winning like 10 to nine or something like that. And the opposing manager just glared at him as they walked off the field at the end of the game. So, you know, it, it happens. And Acuna yeah. does lead the league in stolen bases right now. So I mean, that's just what he's doing. He's being an utter terror everywhere. He, everywhere in the field he can. He throws guys out from the outfield. He smashes baseballs very hard. And he steals bases if he doesn't have it and knock it out of the park. I mean, what do you expect to have a guy like that? So I said last week um, I'd love to see three out of four or a sweep. I didn't expect either. I was expecting a split, and that is exactly what happened. Um, I, I'm not going to lie on the uh, dress down day on Friday. 
at the golf course. I did make sure I wore my Braves polo to celebrate the fact that they did take game one <laughs> and to rub it in my uh, coworker Chuck's face that the uh, Phillies lost it. And uh, that probably is why they lost both of the next two games, <laughs> if not at least one of them. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, honestly, though, it, it was a good series. It was exactly what I was expecting, and I wasn't surprised at all to see some close games and an Atlanta blowout win as well. Just kind of exactly what I was expecting. Also, did Ron, did the Phillies go bullpen game on Sunday against Strider? Yeah, they did. Covey started that and gave up the seven runs, and that, well, they, I, I don't know. They really need to find that fifth guy. I, I just don't understand why teams do these damn bullpen games. Well, they don't have a fifth starter right now either. That's the thing. Bring back Jake Arrieta out of retirement. He probably would have only given up five runs instead of seven. Bring back Moyer. Uh, I just <laughs> Both bullpens got pretty heavily used this whole series. Why would you yeah. go bullpen game? Even if you have to run a starter on short rest and make it up somewhere else, because they were off on Monday, which is probably why they went bullpen game because they could rest the arms. But still, I I just I don't especially when your bullpen is not a lockdown bullpen as Phillies has shown to be. I just don't get that, man. I I don't get why they don't bring somebody up from AAA just into they can find somebody to take that spot, pitch that guy like four or five innings. And then bullpen the rest of it. You know, the sad thing is even three innings and five earned runs would have been better than one inning and seven. Yeah. So. All right. So I think that's enough torture out of the two of us. <laughs> Joe, you have anything else you want to bring up? Did I miss something? With with the Braves Phillies now? I mean, I didn't, um, you know, I, I kind of detached myself from baseball, as we'll find out here shortly. Um <laughs> <laughs> with the way that went, but um, I didn't even stir the pot in that, so I, I'd like to give myself some credit for that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shockingly. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, the fact that, you know, as as bad as the Phillies have been, the fact that this was a competitive series, I think, is a good thing. Um, hopefully they can kind of put some th- pieces together and, and, and grow from some of those uh, appearances, typically, I mean, particularly Zach Wheeler. Um, you know, he was excellent and there's a ton of starts last year where Wheeler got pulled when if I were Zach Wheeler, I would have told Thompson or Girardi, go back in the dugout. Screw you. I'm staying in this game um, because the bullpen wasn't as good last year. Um, you know, so I, Wheeler continues to do what Wheeler does. And as long as the, the, the team scores enough runs, he can hand it over to the bullpen and the bullpen is much better than it was in years past. And, and you can expect Wheeler to win more games that way. Yeah. But as long as the offense shows up, that's fine. If, if Wheeler is pitching it on his own and getting degromed or, or something else every game, then he's not going to have the numbers that he should have. Yeah. Without a doubt. And Strider is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, yeah. Not not only not only did he have you, you know the fastest two hundred strikeouts like you mentioned, uh, but we talk about this all the time. The stash game from him and, and Dylan Cease is phenomenal. So uh, not only is he 
a phenomenal pitcher, but he's got the phenomenal mustache to go with it. So <laughs> my Heather thinks uh, he needs to trim it up a little bit above the lip because it's just it overhangs so much. It's just ah. Uh, Oh no! Until that guy starts losing, that there better be no razors anywhere near that. That's what I said. I was like, just for <laughs> clean up. That's about it. Clean up and groom it. Do not do anything else to it because that is a great mustache. Thank you very much. Well, don't you know? Shave it off. Just like take a comb and just like be able to like drink a soda and not get it all up in your stash. How do you know he's not saving it for later? That's why I tell her about my stash. <laughs> exactly. It's important, damn it. Uh, anyway, so move, moving on. Um, so Nathan Ivaldi, you know, we talked about we talked about this signing when we covered the uh, AL West in the uh, preseason, and we were like, you know, it might help, it might not. He, you know, he was pretty, uh, you know. He, he wasn't really super consistent with um, Boston all the time, particularly around injuries. Well, with Jacob deGrom out, Nathan Eovaldi has completely taken over that pitching staff, putting them on his back. He picked up his seventh win of the month of May against the Tigers. Um, although the, the Tigers give them some credit, and that's hard to say, I know. They grinded him and knocked him out after five innings, which is unusual because he tends to be an innings-eating guy. Um, Eovaldi's ERA for the month of May, 0.96, the lowest of his career for a single month. Yeah, holy crap. That ain't too bad. Yeah, Jacob who? (laughs) Yeah, right. We don't need that Jacob guy. (laughs) Seriously, man. To be as dominant as he has been with with the struggles he had last year, that's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, it, it really. I love seeing it. I really do. All right, one surprise thing I wanted to drop on you guys right before we do bring out the good because I like to do that every now and then to keep you all on your toes. So last week, um, we had the largest margin of defeat of the year in a single game. The winning team was Toronto. They won the game 20 to 1. Who did they beat? Oakland? Not Oakland. Oh wow. Um are they in the West? Guess a team. Why well, I feel Yankees? like I I saw this. Was it the Yankees or the Red Sox? Nope. No. Shoot. The Royals? <laughs> Not the Royals. I want to wow. say the Rays. That's it. They beat yeah. the Rays 20 to 1. <laughs> Aided strongly by a nine-run ninth inning. <laughs> so it was already 11 to 1, and then they put nine more up in the ninth. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm looking at Tampa Bay's box score for their pitchers. Uh, nine innings. 27 hits allowed, 20 runs, 19 earned runs, only one walk. They got that right. (laughs) They gave up four home runs. (laughs) Absolutely insane that the best team in baseball just had one of the worst shellackings you will ever see a team take. 
Oh, man. So, yeah, just wanted to slip that one in. And what was honestly a very, very wild week. I mean, Tampa Bay had some very, very high-scoring games last week. They also um, they had the Dodgers, and I think one game they won like 11 to 10. So it was, uh, it was a wild week for them. Guys, I, I think Vladdy hit a hit a grand slam in that, didn't he? Uh, give me a sec. I can tell you I've got the box score right here. Because I saw highlights of it. Too that's, beautiful. That's why I thought I remembered who it was. Springer had a solo shot. Vladdy, yeah, Vladdy hit yeah. in the ninth inning with two outs. He hit a grand slam. <laughs> that's great. I love it. <laughs> Chapman also had a home run in the ninth with one on. And uh, Jansen also had a home run in the ninth with one on as well. So. I don't know. I, I'm assuming Tampa Bay probably had a position player in at that point because, uh, good God, <laughs> that's utter annihilation. All right, so Joe, what do you have for us for Bring Out the Good this week? Well, first off, you mentioned uh, Vladdy. This is not Bring Out the Good, but you mentioned Vlad Jr. I, I do believe that Joe at Obvious Shirts has a shirt that says Vladdy is better than his daddy. So, <laughs> that's good. I like that. That was pretty funny. That made me think of that. Um, it's a great shirt. Yeah. Uh, first thing, bring out the good tonight. Uh, the Cardinals, they spend a lot of their game days serving the community. Um, and they particularly did this when they were in Cincinnati um, last week. They uh, were serving lunch at the City Gospel Mission in Cincinnati before their game against the Reds. Um, you know, it was uh, the, the hashtag for that post was one life at a time. You know, the, the, you see the Cardinals players uh, trying to do their part, and they're doing their part on the road too, um, which is which is phenomenal to see. Um, and to see the Reds sort of highlight that too, and, and that, that that particular mission was like, we don't typically cheer on the Cardinals, but we will this for this hour or so, there are a couple hours that they were they were helping us uh, helping us out. So um, kudos to the Cardinals for continuing to you know, leading the Cardinal way off the field and doing it on the road even too, which is, you know, sometimes not easy to get players to buy into. Um, I think that's excellent. So a hat tip to the Cardinals for that. Um, I don't know how many more times I'm going to hat tip the Cardinals. I think Zach's going to start buying me uh, Cardinals gear at some point here. <laughs> um, Can you blame him? No. Um, two other things I want to highlight here. Um, Project 34, uh, something I just found out about today, actually. Um, Trevor Williams, who pitches for the Nationals, uh, pitched at Arizona State in 2011. He was in college. His roommate and close friend, uh, Corey Hahn, suffered a career-ending, life-changing spinal cord injury, sliding headfirst into second when they were in college. Um, and as a part of sort of seeing how all of that works, and how, how all of that process goes as far as recovery and rehab and all those things. Uh, Trevor Williams founded Project 34 with uh, Corey Hahn, his close friend, uh, to, to make an impact and to help support um, families and, and, and folks who are going through these type of spinal cord injuries. Um, you know, his, the, the, my, uh, I think it's his Trevor's uh, quote. It's, my why is to play baseball for those who cannot. I remember the countless hours of rehab and workouts that Corey did, and he still does, to get stronger every day. Um, so it was inspired by by 
Corey's rehab journey after the spinal cord injury. Um, and they continue to donate um, to help, you know, over, over handle the costs and all those things for those who have to, to get all sorts of rehab and equipment and things like that um, from spinal cord injuries. Um, so a hat tip to, to Trevor Williams and his wife for the work that they do with project 34 uh, to help, to help ease the stress that accompanies that financial burden for those who go through those. Um, you know, it's roughly, you know, 285,000 people across the United States who have suffered some sort of spinal cord injury. So to be able to make a difference in their life, uh, hat tip to Trevor Williams, one of those guys that is a class act. And it's one of those guys that I am uh, sad that the Cubs didn't keep uh, when they were making a flurry of their trades. Uh, so a hat tip to Project 34. If you're looking for more info on that, um, it is, I think it's project34.org. Um, so if you're interested in looking into that. Um, the other one, and we're going to talk more about this, I think, next week with Lou Gehrig Day. Uh, but Project Main Street, um, they do a ton of direct financial assistance to people living through and with ALS, um, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, obviously. Um, it, it's, you know, affects the functions of nerves and, and muscles. A little over 5,000 people in the population are diagnosed on an annual basis. Um, the Project Main Street has helped over 25 people with grants totaling $2 million. So they're doing a ton of, of good work. Um, Tim Sheehy was one of the uh, founders of this organization. He has since died from ALS. Um in 2007, I believe. Uh, but one of his close friends is uh, John Bugshambi, who we know from ESPN and from Mark Key with the Cubs. Um, and Hootie and the Blowfish were, all, were also college classmates of his. So they do a ton of work to help promote it and raise money for that. Um, so Project Main Street is, is doing a lot of yeoman's work, and I, I really appreciate the work that they're doing and the attention that they're bringing to it. And in, in connection with that, um, Obvious Shirts is selling their NALS for Lou shirts. They've partnered with Project Main Street on that. Um, you can buy those shirts on ObviousShirts.com, um, and 100% of that money goes to Project Main Street. So Joe Obvious, Joe from Obvious Shirts continues to do great work in the community, and I, I really can't can't thank these people enough for what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And they've done it over multiple sports, too. I mean, um, after uh, DeMar had his on-the-field cardiac episode last year, they were selling shirts for him and donating the proceeds to his charity. Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter that it's not a Chicago athlete. It doesn't matter what sport it is. Uh, Joe does great work with Obvious Shirts um, and his and his, with his charitable giving. Uh, another reason why I'm always happy to spend my hard-earned cash on more of those amazingly soft and hila often hilarious shirts, <laughs> but also very serious as well. Um, I'll be wearing uh, next week. I'll be wearing last year's ALS shirt from Obvious because the new ones are not here yet. <laughs> all right, so uh, moving on from bring out the good, you know, of all the teams that are terrible this year, the Royals are pretty bad. And yet, they almost threw a combined freaking perfect game the other day. Mike Myers and Josh Stalmont. Uh, Myers was the opener for Stalmont. He pitched the first inning. 
they were working on a, on a combined perfect game before Nolan Arenado and Wilson Contreras at back-to-back singles in the eighth, no outs to break up the perfect game bid. Um, that said, when the game was all said and done, they only allowed those two hits, and they still didn't walk anybody by the end of it as they still beat the Cardinals. So um, tough luck, guys. That's uh, that, that, That's a hell of a run. Sorry you couldn't finish that one off. All right, uh, Joe, what do you got for the Cubs? You ready to rant? Sure, why not? Uh, th- this last week was a tale of two teams, and I'm not really sure which one I've got. So um, they started the week against the Mets at home, and they took two out of three in this one, seven to two, four to two, uh, behind Smiley and Stroman, respectively. And then they absolutely lost it on Thursday, I think it was. Um, they lost that game. 10 to one. Um, and that was just foreshadowing for the weekend ahead. Uh, they got swept by the Cincinnati Reds, um, which was just abysmal and disgusting and terrible. I didn't watch any of it because I'm not going to put myself through that. Um, they got outscored in this series 25 to 10. The Reds shut them out on Friday night to nothing. And then one uh, the next two games, eight to five, uh, both of them Saturday and Sunday. Um, Justin Steele got destroyed on Friday night. Uh, Friday's game was just terrible. Um, and, you know, that they're just not getting production from, from the guys they need to be getting production from. Um, it, since the the A sweep, so this is kind of more the, the rant side of things here. I've given you the, the short, you know, quick and dirty about what the Cubs did last week. But since they swept the A's, Back in April, they were 11 and six at that point. They have gone, but going into yesterday's game, they had gone 11 and 24 in their next 35 games. It's absolutely disgusting. It's absolutely awful. 11 and 34. 11 and 24. 24. In their, in their next 35 since they once they swept Oakland. Oh my! What the hell? That that's like Oakland level bad. Yeah, it's, it was just absolutely abysmal. They haven't been contending close in a lot of the one-run games. They've been awful in those. Um, you know, they had – I think they got swept by Florida at one – or Miami at one point there, um, too. And it was just – it's just been so abysmally putrid. Their offense has been awful, as is indicated by my fantasy scores for the last couple of weeks here, with uh, Dance being in and, and Bellinger being hurt. And Nico being hurt, like uh, you know, when when you're when the, the top five guys in your lineup start getting hurt or need an off day, you can't miss on the depth free agent pickups, and that's exactly what Jed Hoyer did in the off season. Don't get me wrong, I I thought Eric Hosmer was a good fit at one point, but Eric Hosmer was a shell of himself and it hasn't been productive. Trey Mancini is getting beat out by a catcher in home the first times at this point. Jan Gomes is faster than Trey Mancini. You missed on that. You can't miss on a guy like that. It's, it's absolutely pathetic. You can't have Edwin Rios eating up at-bats. At you can't have a guy hit two home runs, two home runs on Sunday. Patrick Wisdom hits two home runs on Sunday and doesn't make the lineup on Monday. What the hell are you doing? You can't you can't be playing matchups with this. You've got to be able 
to have the consistent lineup day in and day out. I thought Luis Rojas was coaching my team the last week. This is absolutely <laughs> god-awful. Absolutely pathetic. It's absolutely awful. And then you've got David Ross. David Ross goes on, on 670 to score. There's a, there's a Chicago radio station out there. He talked about how he moved some guys around on Monday. You know, Nico wasn't hitting leadoff for whatever reason. Um, they, they managed just three hits on Monday. They ended up with a 1-0 win over the Rays thanks to Stroman, thank God. And some guy named Talkman had a sack fly to get the only run that the Cubs needed in that game. But you're 23 and 30, and you've lost four of your last five. It's absolutely disgusting. It's absolutely terrible. And and then you go on on radio, and you're like, you know, still looking for the right formula. You've had three. You've had three and a half years at this job. Still looking for the right formula. Play the guys who hit. It's not that fucking hard. It's really not. And as much as I love what the Cubs pitching infrastructure does with pitchers. I love what they do. The way they turn, you know, unknown bullpen guys into, you know, key pieces, a la David Robertson, a la Michael Givens last year. Like, the way that they build bullpens, I love what they do. But if a guy is really good at throwing something, don't take him away from throwing that. That's what they did with Stroman last year. Now Stroman's throwing sinker after sinker, and he's dominating. You're messing with Jamison Tyone, a guy you're on the hook for for $86 million, and you're changing his pitch repertoire, and he's absolutely god-awful. Tyone is not 0 for 8, but the Cubs are 0 for 8 in, in the games that he has started. Like, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep doing this. You can't keep changing this lineup. You can't say, I, well, I don't always have the right formula, but I'm trying. You know, these, these guys are, you know, unwavering. They're doing their best. And everybody has opinions, but I get the last one. Like, dude, Ross, you don't belong in a major league dugout. I'm sorry, you don't. You belong there as a bench coach. You belong in AAA as a development guy. You're not a major league manager. And I said that before they hired you. Did I not? You did. I, yeah, before they hired him, I said, this is not good. This is not good. Don't do it. Do they do it? Of course they do. What What is the one position that – the one guy of that core four that I was most disappointed in losing? Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo continues to be the heart of the Yankee lineup. And we've suffered through Frank Swindell. Don't get me wrong. I loved him. But Frank Swindell, Patrick Wisdom every once in a while – Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini, and now Matt Mervis. Like, come on. Like, that was a, he was a guy, first off, Rizzo was beloved by the fan base. And second of all, he was still hitting the fucking ball. Javi was awful. KB was, was an injury-prone, not effective hitter anymore. And Wilson was Wilson. <laughs> like... The, the one yeah. guy Ford that I did not want to lose, and I told you guys that before they traded him. And, and now it's been a, a revolving door of first base. You can't have that. You absolutely cannot have that. Like, it, it, it's absolutely demoralizing as a Cub fan. I can't even watch it. I'm like, I'm not going to put myself through this. 
like the on the off chance they win a game, it's either A, I'm not watching it, or B, I stopped watching when they were losing and they won the game. So <laughs> I don't think it's my fault, but like seriously, this is pathetic. It's absolutely awful. You can't roll out a, a lineup of three or four people that even Jason doesn't know who they are. And he knows everybody in the minors, right? Jason knows everybody in the minors and everybody who comes up and all these abstract guys. And he doesn't know half the Cubs lineup against the number one team in the entire league. What the hell are we doing? They're fundamentally unserious as an organization. And it starts with Rossi. You know, Hoyer, I was I was trying to give Hoyer and, and Carter Hawkins a ton of credit the, a couple weeks ago. You guys, you heard that. I was trying to give them some credit for what they, the moves they were making. <laughs> like, you can't miss on a guy like, on the money you're going to spend on Trey Mancini. You can't miss on that move. You can't miss on Tucker Barnhart. If you're if you're going to bring him on to be a, a good depth piece, you can't miss on those. And the Cubs continue to miss on depth pieces. They continue to not make sense of what they're doing as far as bringing guys up. There's no reason on God's green earth that Edwin Rios or Miles Masturboni should have been on the starting lineup coming out of camp, and Christopher Morrell should not have been. It's absolutely disgusting. Like, stop, stop looking long-term and start winning. For the love of God, you have the most expensive fan experience in baseball. Start fucking doing it. Start acting like it. You want to be the premier club. You want to be a competitor year in and year out. You want to be the Cardinals? Then start acting like it. It's absolutely god-awful. Until, and until enough Cub fans just say, you know what? I'm not going to a game. Even if I want to go to a game at Wrigley, I'm not going. I'm not going to give Ricketts any more money. Why would I do that? They're not being they're not being honest with Cub fans. Last year they said they wanted to be competitive. They were anything but competitive. They want to be competitive again this year, and they were competitive for a month. And all of a sudden they're not anymore. It's it's absolutely disgusting, and it, it's just unwatchable. Like, you know, not only do Cub fans deserve better, but if you're a guy like Pat Hughes, a Hall of Fame broadcaster. You deserve better. Guys like Justin Steele deserve better. Marcus Stroman deserves better than this crap. It's absolutely awful. You you extended Nico Horner. You extended Ian Happ for what? To go eleven and twenty four in the last month and a half. That was your plan. Like, what are we doing? They're they're fundamentally unserious, and it drives me absolutely nuts. And it's like if you're not going to invest the time in this, and if you're not going to invest the energy into this, that a Cub fan invests into this team, then why am I going to watch this? Why am I going to put aside two hours every night to watch a game? Why am I going to do that? I got enough problems. I don't need to stress out about my baseball team. And yeah. I said, we got on the show, I said I was wearing this shirt for two reasons. Number one, Hayden's coming back. He's going to help bolster the bullpen because even Jed admitted on Friday that the bullpen has been awful. Well, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Welcome to the party. 
Welcome to the party, Jed. The bullpen has been awful. Every Cubs fan could have told you that from the day that they broke camp. It's ridiculous. Hayden's coming back up to bolster the bullpen. And the Cubs have been playing nasty baseball for the better part of a month and a half. It's absolutely terrible. The fact that you play up against the Mets, don't get me wrong, the Mets, for all of their issues, the Mets are still a good team. The fact that you play up against the Mets and then play down against the Twins and down against the Reds, really? This, this is what Cub fans deserve on a weekly basis? I don't think so. Like, it's just, it's just so irritating. I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> when when's Ross's contract up? Well, here's the stupid thing: they extended him like last oh year. Oh my god! So I don't know when his contract is up. <laughs> I think and, it's time honestly, to retire. I don't know. I don't know who the answer is. I, I'm not saying that I know who the answer is, but I knew it wasn't him a long time ago, and I still don't think it's him. No, it, it, some, it's not him. I think sometimes former former catchers are really good. And sometimes former catchers are really bad. And he, he's joining the, the, you know, the halls of Joe Girardi and other catchers who have been terrible as managers. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And, and it's just so debilitating, annoying, and it's just <laughs> god-awful. And to hear somebody say, well, you know, I'm still trying to find the right formula. Dude, you've had the chance. You have pieces now. This isn't right after we traded – Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez. You have pieces. Do something with it. Well, and you know, one thing that really drives me nuts with the Cubs and their pitching, how can you be so good at developing bullpen arms and so bad at screwing with starters? I just, that doesn't make any sense. I, I, to me, it, it, you know, Tyone was, a, was, a, was a, a big piece of that Yankee rotation last year. And Tyone already had the tools. I don't think we need the message. If you want to tweak some things with a particular pitch or two, but don't take him away from a pitch that was one of his best pitches. Yeah. You know, Stroman, Stroman hardly threw any sinkers last year and had a god-awful year. Stroman goes back to throwing sinkers and, and, and things like that this year and is one of the best pitchers in the National League if he had the run support. So and true. You can't count on – I mean, you're getting into the point now as a Cub fan where you're just like, okay, do we start talking about trades again? I realize we're only five out, and I realize that you're still in possible contention for a wild card. But realistically, you kind of start to know. In, in the words of the great De Denny Green, the Cubs are who we thought they were. Yeah. They didn't have enough pieces. And if you can't withstand – Belly being out for a month. If you can't withstand Nico being out for two weeks, like you've got to figure something out here. Ben Brown is lighting it up in AAA as a pitcher, and he's not up here yet. Even if you bring him up and let him throw in the bullpen, it's better than giving the ball to Michael Fulmer every second or third day who can't pitch for shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, it's got to be better than that. It's got to be better than trying to give it to, you know, 
you messed with Keegan Thompson's role from last year. He, Keegan Thompson was awesome as a starter last year. You put him back in the bullpen, and he hasn't been the same pitcher. Can we stop messing with what doesn't with what what actually works, and fix what's actually broken? Please <laughs> stop creating problems that aren't there. I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. Beautifully ranted, Joe. <laughs> All right. So uh, mo- mo- moving on, we had uh, we, we had some stripping going on in the minor leagues this past weekend and Saturday. And even better, not only was it Atlantic League action, but the Lancaster Barnstormers were involved, although it wasn't the Barnstormers doing the stripping. They were down in Gastonia playing the Gastonia Honey Hunters. Uh, Honey Hunter infielder Jack Reinheimer, because I'm going to keep saying Honey Hunter because that's just one of the, one of these great hilarious nicknames for minor league teams. He was hit by a pitch, but the umpire apparently thought either it hit his bat or that he leaned into it. So he strips off his jersey and undershirt to show the umpire the bruise on his back, who then grants him first base. And let the record show. He decided not to put his whole uniform back until he got to first base before he finally started to redress himself. <laughs> Gotta so, love it. I love minor league baseball. Uh, so much fun. <laughs> it just shows you how terrible these umpires are that they can't <laughs> see like, that, it got, that he got hit. You've been watching the videos of it. You could He didn't lean into it or anything. You no, could tell no it game. hit him. There was no leaning. It was very clear it didn't come close to hitting his bat. I that yeah. umpire needs a new pair of glasses. This, I mean, it's not like it's not like this Jack Reinheimer is Michael Conforto or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or Craig Biggio, yeah. who I swear to God, I know he holds the records for most times hit by pitch, but I, I swear at least half of those he figured out a way to lean into it without looking like he was leaning into it. Freaking ridiculous. All right, uh, Joe. How about uh, Jack Zawinski? Yeah, this this is a, a guy who, who he's on the Pirates. He's been he was a a Moneyball hitter at one point last year, at least once. Um, he had I think his first series last year. He played against the Cubs. He's a Chicago kid, and he had a home run in that series. Um, not that I needed to relive that, but I thought it was good context. Um, yeah, so so whiskey. They're playing the Dodger or the Giants in San Francisco this past week, um, and when you think of McCovey Cove in San Francisco, you often think of Barry Bonds smashing homers into the bay. Well, Sawinski became only the second player in history to hit two homers into the Cove in the same game, joining the aforementioned Barry Bonds. Um, although the fact that he only did that, you know, a couple of times is kind of surprising to me if you're Barry, um, <laughs> but. Um, anyhow, um, intentional walk, intentional walk, intentional walk. The fact that Barry only did this twice is remarkable to me. Um, he did that in, in May, on May 10th of 2000 against the Cardinals with Annie Benes and Heathcliff Slocum on the mound. Um, and on May 18th, 2002 against the Marlins with Brad Penny and Vic Derensborg on the mound. Uh, so has shown some power in the time that he's been up. Um, this is his third multi-homer game of the season, but he's shown a ton of power last year with homers and with doubles and extra base hits. So he's really been pretty pretty solid pickup for them and a move up for them. Um, and 
uh, one of the reasons offensively that they are where they are. Well, not only that, like with Sawinski, I swear, if he's going to hit homers, he's going to hit them in bunches. Like he'll have a couple games in a row where he just obliterates the baseball. So, you know, congratulations to Sawinski. That's pretty sweet. And then, um, so the wheels of politics, as they often do, are starting to clog things up for Oakland as they try very desperately to leave for Las Vegas. Um, Nevada lawmakers are questioning now whether subsidizing a new stadium with tax credits and bonds would further boost Las Vegas' economy, or is it just going to serve as a handout for a big business that could strain government resources? While both the Republican governor's chief of staff and the Democratic treasurer have both said the stadium would provide tax revenue and jobs, lawmakers are now questioning whether an A's stadium on the site of the Tropicana would be worth it. They're noting that, one, they're, they'd be getting an MLB team with by far the worst record in baseball and one of the worst records in the history of baseball. And two, you know, they're looking at financing from a county and state that are struggling to fund public services, including schools, which rank near the bottom in national student-teacher ratios and per-pupil funding. State Senator Dinah Neal, a Democrat, said, quote, regular citizens see us having a conversation and discussion around funding a stadium, yet we don't have enough revenue to fund and give a 20% salary increase to teachers. Um, and, you know, looking at the other two stadiums in the area, Allegiant Stadium, home of the Raiders, they actually got $750 million in public assistance, which is insane. T-Mobile Arena, home of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, who I'm hoping win the Stanley Cup so I could say my avalanche got knocked out by the eventual Stanley Cup champions. They built T-Mobile Arena with absolutely no public assistance whatsoever. The plan that the A's have right now would authorize up to $380 million in public assistance for the potential $1.5 billion retractable roof stadium in a special tax district, mainly through $180 million in state transferable tax credits, $120 million in bonds, mostly from Clark County. The county would also contribute $25 million in credit towards infrastructure costs. Um, the proposal would not directly raise taxes, although let's face it, um, we've seen how these things work. It may not happen right away, but it could happen down the road. And by could, I mean likely will. Steve Hill, who's the president of the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, I know, totally unbiased in his opinion here, said, quote, this is a good investment. There will be more money available at both the state and local level if this is if this deal is done than if it's not. Questions from all lawmakers uh, have a multiple have a multitude of concerns, including, again, how a lack of recent success from the A's could affect attendance, traffic along the Strip, compatibility with nearby airports, and integrity of the metrics they use to gather their projection numbers. Um, Danielle Monroe Moreno, a Democrat assemblywoman, said, quote, The Raiders came to the state with a huge fan base. We had a lot of people that would make the travel from California to see the Raiders. I don't see that happening for the A's. And frankly, I think she's right about that, especially the way the A's are constructed now. Now, assuming this all happens, Las Vegas would be these would become the smallest TV market in baseball. So that's going to bring into question revenue for the team to invest in players that they've you know done such a good job with so far. The stadium is going to have a thirty thousand seat capacity, which again would also be the smallest in baseball. As of Monday night, 
last night. The stadium financing bill is already the most commented on proposal for this session of their legislature. With over 2,200 opinions online, over three quarters of those are in opposition. And that's from the public. That's not just from lawmakers. That's from the public. And, you know, you also have the usual political back and forth concerns as well. The legislative session adjourns on 6-5. Democratic leaders had financing bills, including um, the one for the A's may not go through with Republican Governor Joe Lombardo follows through and his threats to veto several Democratic-backed spending bills if his legislative priorities are not addressed. So, again, you know, that's, you know, your typical politicians being spoiled children and not working together. That doesn't surprise me. But, you know, it seemed like such a slam dunk, and now we're seeing more and more. This may not be the slam dunk the athletics hoped it would be. Now, I think all of this, is, I, I think all of this put aside, I, I don't think this is going to stop the A's. I think they're still moving. And if they have to shell out more of their own money, they're just going to do it because they so desperately went out of Oakland. And let's face it, that, bri that bridge has not only been burned, that bridge has been burned, smashed to pieces, burned again, reconstructed from the ashes to be burned a third time, and then had the holy freaking hand grenade thrown at it just for good measure to make sure the damn thing is gone. Uh, <laughs> that, that that bridge has, has had done to it what Bane did to Heinz Field in, in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 bridge might, that bridge may look worse than Pearl Harbor after the Japanese invaded, or Hiroshima when we dropped a freaking atomic bomb on it. There is no chance in hell the A's are going to be in Oakland any longer than they absolutely have to. But, you know, I, I love the fact that they're looking at building a $1.5 billion stadium to house the smallest, mark, the smallest revenue team in the league that can't win a game to save their lives. They've won 11 games so far, for God's sake. I think the legislature is bringing up great points about why it's a bad idea to dump a ton of public funding into it. Well, I mean, when you, when you look at, um, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights, first off, they had a ton of talent come in that initial year, and they've been in the playoffs, I think, every year since they've been around. So, you know... Obviously, getting you know your choice of guys of teams, you know, of players from the the rest of the NHL certainly helps with that. But you know, the fact that they didn't need help, you know, shows a lot about hockey really need being in the market for a team in that area because they've had the response that they've had. Um, I, I think they're right. The, the Raiders are a household name. And the Raiders are going to have fans who are going to travel. You're going to create new fans in Vegas who are there either to gamble or just go watch football because why not? The A's can barely, you know, have 10,000 people in their stands on a, on a daily basis, and that's being generous. They're not going to fill this stadium. They're not. And, and quite frankly, I think A's fans are smart about this. They're just like, why am I going to keep spending money? They're doing what Cub fans should do, and they should just, they're just saying, well, if you're not going to be serious about this, why the hell should I spend my money and go to a game? And as Jason pointed out when we talked about the A's, 
They're charging $80 a ticket for the lower bowl of their garbage stadium that's infested with, you know, all sorts of things. Last night, um, Atlanta was in town. The attendance was 8,556. That's for a division-leading team. That's all they could manage. I, I understand it was a Monday night game. It was also Memorial Day, so it was a holiday. That's bad, man. I mean, they're not doing much better than that on the weekend. No, they're not. So, I mean, look, it's a garbage franchise from top to bottom. We know that. Um, I I think you're raising good points. I think priorities here have to kind of be adjusted, I think, on a lot of levels. And this is one of them where it's like if you're not going to fund certain things – then we shouldn't be funding baseball teams who are garbage to begin with. Yeah. It's not going to generate enough revenue. Nobody's going to Vegas for an an A's game. They're just not. No. They're not. Football football still has a stranglehold on on fan base as far as popularity for a casual fan experience. It still does. And that's why the, the Raiders have enough of a fan base to justify the money they were given. The A's don't have that. This is ridiculous. The fact that we publicly fund these places to begin with is absolutely stupid. Thank you. I'm so tired of it. The, using public funds to, for an entertainment venue that half the people aren't going to go to is, is stupid. If, if the, you know, and, and to, to throw my own team under the bus, if you're going to use public funds <laughs> in Chicago, those funds could be better used for a lot of other things. Yes, absolutely. You use public funds and then charge ninety bucks a ticket. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. stupid. It, it, can can we get back to a point where, you know, a, a baseball game is not something you have to take a second mortgage on your house for? For the love of God, this is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, and then cut a half hour out of it. Oh yeah. Can we can we stop messing with something that's not broken? Like going back to my rant on the Cubs. Don't mess with stuff that's not broken. Yeah, exactly. Seriously, you're not going to win casual fans back because you shorten the game a half hour. You're just going to piss off the three of us and and guys like the three of us. Yeah. Like, yeah. Is it make it a little easier for me to watch that game? Sure. You could easily do the same amount of time and just do the in-screen commercial breaks. Exactly. You can still yeah. save the time. Yeah, cut the long commercial breaks back. You could save more time there than screwing with the pitch clock. Yeah, I, I'm just I've I've had enough with all the stupid things they're doing, and and the fact that we're you know publicly funding these places for reasons that don't make any sense to me. When these guys are these owners are loaded, if they want to find enough investors, you know, I I read a ton of history books as as you know, Andrew. And the book I'm reading now is on the railroad and it was like, you know, the Western railroad and it's like, you know, finding investors to do, to, to help you do what you want to do. We need to get back to that model when it comes to this stuff. Like, you know, you know, Tom Ricketts, you need to find investors in Gallagher way. You need to find investors for the rooftops, whatever it is, whatever that project is, you need to find enough of your like-minded friends who want to spend money on a, in, in Oakland's case, a bottomless pit of stupidity in Las Vegas. Yeah. Get some friends to get some friends to chip in some money 
and, and put the money out yourself. This is absolutely stupid. On one and a half billion dollars, and all you're getting is a stadium. If you're dumping one and a half billion dollars into it, why don't you do like Atlanta did with the battery and buy all that land, develop the whole area, make it a whole experience, make sure you are the owner of all of that land. So you're getting the rent revenue from all the other, like that's one reason why Atlanta is doing so much better financially because their TV contract sucks. They have one of the worst contracts for the bigger market teams. And I think, thankfully, it's set to expire in the next couple of years or, you know, depending on if Bally Sports just completely goes under, you know, MLB will just yank the rights anyway. But it, come on, let's be smart here. One and a half billion dollars for just a stadium is a terrible investment, a terrible waste of money. And the fact that they're asking the state of Nevada and Clark County for money at all is, gee, that's awful presumptuous. It really is. Ron, do you have any other thoughts on all this going on with Vegas or anything else? I, I mean, I really don't think it's going to bring them any better fan base than what they have. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, they even said the projections, like they're expecting to have the stadium filled because of tourists that are there that would want to see a ball game. So you, point. so you don't even think that your smallest stadium in baseball can be filled by your own local fans. <laughs> should, should have just moved it to a little league field at this point. Well, I mean, they're going to have to play in the AAA part for at least a year while the damn thing's being built. I just... Uh... They're not even going to be able to fill this AAA part. This this is just stupid. <laughs> I mean, did it make sense wrong. to Mount Oakland? Yes. Did it make sense? Does it make sense on the financial side? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. What a mess. All right, guys. So looking at the uh, hot team list coming up. Uh, let's see here. For me, I'm going to put the Marlins on there. I am going to put the Reds on there. No, I'm not putting the Reds on there. They only swept the Cubs. They sucked before that. Um, I am going to put the Diamondbacks on there, the Giants on there. You know, Tampa Bay could have gone 9-1 in the last 10, but that 20-1 to loss, I, I can't put Tampa Bay in the hot list after that shellacking. Um, I am going to put the Orioles and the Yankees on there, and I am also going to put the Rangers and the Astros. And actually, you know, I think I'm going to go ahead and put Seattle on there. They've showed me enough over the last 10 games, two weeks, that they're – might be slowly starting to spark some hope for the fan base again. Um, do you guys have anybody else you want to put on your uh, hot team list for the week? I think you pretty much covered them. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think it, as long as con Baltimore continues doing what they're doing there, they belong on this list. Yeah. You know, and I, I hope they stay on that list for a long time. Love yeah, for, for the sake of all – Orioles fans, we know, and for the sake of baseball, it's just awesome. Yeah, it is. All right, so looking ahead at the week coming up, Atlanta's on the road all week, three in Oakland, then they are off on Thursday, and they've got three in Arizona. Good God, who made this schedule? It kind of sucks. Looking ahead for the Cubs. Sorry, did I say that out loud? That was supposed to be my inside voice. 
Cubs are right now in a three-game series with Tampa Bay at home. Then they're off Thursday. They're going to start a long road trip out west, uh, four in San Diego, and then three in the three in Los Angeles for the Angels, and then three in San Francisco. Oh, uh, Joe, they they did that thing I hate when they do the four-game series and wrap it around into Monday. I hate it when they yeah. do that. Ten, ten, ten games with no off day out west. And all out west. Yeah, tell me about it. Who'd you guys piss off to get that? I have no idea. And then the I know who management pissed off, but I don't know, you know. You mean everybody? Who, yeah. Who, you know, all that. But. And then the uh, Phillies tonight start a three-game series. The Mets on the road, which I believe they lost that one. Mm-hmm. And then, um, well, hey, Ron, things are looking up. You end the week in Washington for three. So <laughs> I'm not hopeful. I'm really not hopeful. Ron, Ron are, you, are you trying to project that by, by this time next week when we're back on the air again that the Phillies are going to be below the Nationals because the Nationals take the series? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, it's too bad Jason won't be on for that rant. <laughs> that, that would be something beautiful. All right, so that's what's coming up for uh, our teams. Um, guys, do you have anything else for this week? No. <laughs> that, that, that was, a, like I said, that was a hell of a week in baseball. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm buckling in for a brutal stretch. I'll be keeping track of scores because I'm not going to put myself through anything else um, right now with the way this has gone. But, um, look, I, you know, the, the fact that they're – they won yesterday. They're up two to one in the eighth against the Rays right now. Like, where is this? You know, when they play some of the other teams, I don't understand it. Um, the the biggest positive, I think, tonight, if you're if you're a Cub fan, um, Hendricks looked pretty good tonight. Five innings, six hits, one run, um, three walks, and three strikeouts. So, a rough start he had last week. I didn't really go into that too much in our recap, but. Um, the fact that he had a decent start tonight is is something as a Cub fan that I can hold on to at least. It's good to see. It really is. It is. Yeah. Um, you know, verification this week. I don't care how fast baseball games are going. I cannot stay awake for West Coast games this week. So uh, no. and then we're going on vacation. So uh, at the end of the week, we're going down to the beach for a weekend trip so uh i won't be watching much baseball and that's okay it's yeah i can catch the scores absolutely all right guys you can find the audio recordings on anchor spotify breaker and any honestly anywhere else you can find podcasts we're all over the place now happily uh, you can see us live on youtube facebook live and on twitter merchandise is at redbubble.com uh, follow us on the facebook page facebook.com slash dollar dogs beer twitter is at ddab underscore podcast all three of us are on Twitter. I'm at PyroLord314. Jason's at JRaker300. Joe's at JoltonJoe35. Uh, Ron, are you still using the at Dipner, Ron, every now and then just to yeah, yeah. use people? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we're presented by Dark Arrow Podcast LLC. We are sponsored by Whiskey and Blade Barbershop and Lidditz. May your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>